This week on Daiwa, we're in Lee County, where poison is found in a local farmer's homemade pie. Welcome to Daiwa, the first Iowa-focused true crime podcast, where there's 99 counties and a murder in every one. These are your hosts, Beth LaValley and Allie Tulin. All right, Lee County this week, have you been slash do you know where that is? Okay, if I remember correctly, (laughs) I think my dad made a lot of work trips to Lee County, but I don't know if I've ever been there. I just, I think he did quite a few road trips down there for work, but I did look it up and it's the most Southern County in Iowa. It borders the Mississippi River. Nice. I have not been, I don't think either. But yeah, it's home to Keokuk and Fort Madison, which, fun fact, Fort Madison actually dates back to the War of 1812 and was named after our fourth president, James Madison. Okay, is it just me, or is everything named after the War of 1812 in Iowa? I feel like it is. Bring that up, like, every pod. Also, how many times did you hear that joke in, like, history class? When was the War of 1812? (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, every day of middle school. (laughs) Same. Um, The other fun fact, though, is that Lee County, um, the source of the name is not known. It could be named after a few different Lees, but I thought this was crazy. That one might even be Robert E. Lee. Ooh, like Civil War Robert E. Lee. Yeah, I guess he led a Corps of Engineers whose mission was to figure out a way to make the Mississippi River accessible for steamboats because there were rapids that made it difficult in the early 19th century, so they blasted through the rapids to make this channel, and supposedly the Mississippi River was only about like two to three feet deep at that spot. But anyway, Hmm. the takeaway is that it's unknown who Lee County is named after. Okay, okay. Uh, One other fun note is that this is the county that houses the state penitentiary that we are always talking about. Uh, The prison was established in 1839, which is just one year after Iowa became a territory. It was designed after a penitentiary in Auburn, New York. And I'm thinking that we need a bonus app here. I think so too. Mm. But, all right, let's get to the murder. Okay, it is 1890. Benjamin Harrison is president. The first Army versus Navy football game is played at West Point, and Navy won. Cheers to them. (laughs) And the Wounded Knee Massacre takes place just not too far from Iowa in South Dakota. Crazy. So we are looking at September 12th of 1890, and we're in Charleston, Iowa. There's a farmer named George Marion who's working out in his field, and his wife Josephine and daughter Frazee come around around 9 a.m. to drop off George's lunch, which is two tomato pies. After George eventually takes his break and finishes his pie, um, it said he quickly fell ill and died in great agony. George was just 62 years old. In the October 1st issue of the Algona Republican, George's death is reported. It's titled, quote, Believed He Was Poisoned, unquote, and says, George Marion, a farmer living near Charleston, died suddenly while plowing in his field. He had just eaten his noon lunch, and he told a neighbor who went to his assistance he thought he had been poisoned. The dead man's stomach has been sent away for analysis. Gross. (laughs) George's body is sent to Chicago to be examined. A chemist comes back and says he found a large amount of... A chemist comes back and says he found a large amount of strychnine. 
He said it came from the tomato pie George was served. So strychnine is a highly toxic, colorless, bitter, crystalline alkaloid used as a pesticide. Also, Wikipedia, really reliable source, (laughs) Wikipedia says it produces some of the most dramatic and painful symptoms of any known toxic reaction, making it quite noticeable and a common choice for assassinations and poison attacks. Strychnine Mm. poisoning is also mentioned in everything from Agatha Christie and Jack London books to an episode of The Office or Office Space the movie. Jeez. Big fan of Agatha Christie, though. Big fan of Ron Livingston from Office Space. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, true. True. Also fellow Iowan. Oh my god, is he really? I think so. Oh, cool. Are you looking it up? Cedar Rapids. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So at some point, the town learns Josephine Marion had fallen in love with another man named Joseph Bean. It's reported that this caused some issues in her relationship with George Marion. One thing we did find was the 1880 census. George is listed as 51, while Josephine was just 25. The town went crazy after news spread and wanted to carry out a lynching of Josephine and Joseph. However, they were moved to a county jail in Keokuk while awaiting trial. In October, Josephine Marion and Joseph Bean were arrested. Sometime in November, there's a preliminary examination in Keokuk, and they were charged with having caused the death by poison of George Marion and were held without bail to the next grand jury. Then, on December 13, 1890, a grand jury does indicate Joseph Bean and Josephine Marion. They are charged with the murder of George Marion by the administration of strychnine. On February 1, 1891, it's reported that the remains of Mrs. Elizabeth Himmelsbach, the aunt of Joseph Bean, are exhumed and the organs are removed and sent for analysis. Mrs. Himmelsbach owned property which descended to her nephew when she passed. She did die suddenly and under suspicious circumstances. On May 26, 1891, the trial for Josephine Marion and Josephine begins. The principal witness was Dr. Haynes, the Chicago chemist who examined George Marion's stomach. On May 27th, the state closes the cases against Josephine and Joseph. The jury found Josephine Marion not guilty of poisoning her husband, George. We know at some point, Joseph and Josephine got married. So just two years later, in 1893, Joseph Bean swore vengeance on a James Vermizen. James was a prosperous farmer who was active in the prosecution against Joseph and Josephine. On May 1st, 1893, James Vermizen came to Keokuk with hearts, livers, and stomachs of two, quote, fine-blooded horses that had recently hmm. died with every symptom of having been poisoned. So those organs are also sent to be examined by a chemist. And if James' suspicions are correct, he declared he will leave the wretched neighborhood. He said ever since George's murder, peace had not reigned there, and the feeling between neighbors was very bitter. Wow. Someday I hope to have an enemy like that. I thought you were going to say your organs examined or something. <laughs> no, I'm for sure getting composted when I, when I die. So. Oh, well, I mean, they can take my organs before I'm composted, I guess. We'll check them out. Make sure you weren't poisoned. Okay, thanks. (laughs) So here's where the story gets disappointing, to say the least. This is the last mention of Joseph and Josephine Bean we could find. There was also no mention of what happened to George and Josephine's daughter, Frozzy. 
No mention of what came of the remains of Joseph's aunt being exhumed and no big blowout between James Vermisen and Joseph. Here's what we do know. George Marion was buried in Cavalry Cemetery in West Point, Iowa. His tombstone does say, quote, George Marion, husband of Josephine Marion. James Vermazen, the man who Josephine swore vengeance on, did stay in Lee County. He died September 27, 1941, at 67, married and with multiple kids. So, Beth, you already know this, but I am so frustrated that there is no report on the couple or even George and Josephine's daughter. But if anyone knows, please update us. Please. For now, I guess we'll settle by calling taps. Hey, Taps. Thanks for joining. Good evening. So... This case, we were discussing George Marion being poisoned by a piece of tomato pie he ate. Our first question is, have you ever had tomato pie? No, and I have no idea what it even is. <laughs> I don't think it's a Midwestern thing. Mm-mm. They said they were French, so. Hmm, that sounds fancy. I don't know. Have you ever worked a poisoning case before? Yes, a strychnine case. Really? Yes, a sister poisoned her brother that was living with her with strychnine cookies over about a six month period. And he finally got the toxicity build up enough that it killed him. And then she hid his body upstairs for two years. Whoa. In this case, it like it killed him in one dose. So like she must not have been feeding him very much. No, she was just little bits at a time or he wasn't eating enough cookie. Maybe she wasn't a good baker. (laughs) Is that the most common type of poison you see? Just because it's it was at one time very accessible because it was used for rat poisoning. Is there any reason that she would put the poison in the pie, or could, so you like you said you she put it in cookies? Does it have to be in something to eat it, or could you put it in a drink? I don't think it's soluble in, in drink, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah. Um, I would assume you have to put it in some food to camouflage the taste because I can't imagine it tastes very well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. In this one, um, the state dropped the case. Uh, do you know of any reason why they would do that? I would assume that in that era that they did not have a good enough medical cause of death from the autopsy, I, but I don't know for sure. I mean, that, that would be one of the reasons that a prosecutor would drop the case. The other reason might just be causation. They might not have Obviously, the tomato pie had probably gone away, and they probably couldn't test it anymore. Are you still suspicious after the James Vermazen character, his horses looked like they were also poisoned in a similar matter, and his aunt um, had passed away? I think we'd call that a clue. I think we would definitely start looking at something. And even more suspicious that they kind of disappeared from the area? Right, and scrambled out of the area. You look for post-homicide behavior and, and pre-homicide behavior to help give you indicators of what people's motives are. Can you talk about post-homicide behavior and what that means? That just after the homicide, the fact that they flee or disappear, that would give you some indication that there was bad intention. Hmm. That's tricky though, because I don't... It's just, a, it's a something to look at. It's not, I mean, obviously you couldn't use it necessarily in a court case, but at least gives you an indication that something's up with somebody. 
Yeah. That's yeah. Point. No, but to best point, I don't know if I'd want to stick around in a town after being accused of a murder. No, and that, that could be a perfectly legitimate reason to leave. Um, how often do you think affairs are or were the motive behind a murder? Now that divorce is more acceptable, it may not be anymore. I would think that, it, and again, I have nothing to base this on except anecdotal, but I, I would assume that it doesn't happen as often as it used to mm-hmm. because divorce was stigmatized so bad back in the day. Now it tends to be a divorce with some kind of financial implication that would cause it. Somebody was going to inherit or did inherit a bunch of money or there's life insurance policies or something like that. Any final thoughts on George Marion and what happened to him? Don't eat the tomato pie. (laughs) Is there any way to tell if something has been poisoned? You mean, yeah, in an autopsy you can, but it takes a lot of testing. No, I mean before, like if if someone gave me a tomato pie, is there a way to see, like tell if there is poison in it? I would guess if it tastes funny, I would not eat it. But that's the only thing I would know. Of. Good advice. Good advice. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Oh, hello there. As a marketer, I hate promotions like this. Same and same. But... I love content. Me too. So if you like our content, give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, note, fax, literally anything you think would help us continue making Daiwa a success. Thank you, thank you, thank you.